we got plenty of time to uh, have <laughs> fuck with audio, have fun, cool. record the podcast, and we're gonna get back to it. Don't even worry about it. We're gonna be talking about the superthetical's. We got a whole host of things to get through here. So uh, Ryan, why don't you tickle the listeners with your voice? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> hey listeners, do you want to be tickled by the sound coming out of my vibrating vocal cords? Oh, <laughs> dude, this is hard to even say. Like, I feel gross. <laughs> Welcome to Otaku Brothers, your friendly neighborhood gaming podcast featuring Rusty and Ryan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 104 of Otaku Brothers. My name is Rusty, and as always, I'm joined by my forever co-host and brother-in-law. It's been two weeks, Ryan. How you doing? Good. Yeah, I'm doing well. Uh, we've got like six inches of snow on the ground, uh, which Nala is really enjoying. And uh, yeah, nothing too new. I'm working on a new strategy for life. Oh, yeah? Yeah. What's yeah. that? I don't know. It, it's, it's like a late... New Year's resolution because it's February, so I clearly missed the December 31st cutoff. But yeah, we'll see how it goes in like six months, like middle of the year. I'll give an update. Well, let's double click into this. So what's actually changed with your day-to-day lifestyle? Nothing. But no, it's uh, so I'm working on it's I don't know where I saw it, but it was like you should have three hobbies. Uh, one that challenges you mentally, one that challenges you uh physically and then one that is gets you money so what if this podcast checks two of those boxes uh physically because i i'm ravaged by this like hour and a half long process of getting our audio done. i feel like i've burned like seven thousand calories <laughs> and then money yeah we we've earned like a penny no, we, we've earned, like, negative, like, $600 for, like, the mics and everything, so... Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. No, uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I'm actually... I picked up some paints from the parents. Good for you. So, that is my... Uh, Mentally challenging. thing. And physically, just getting back, I'm... I'll probably start going back to the gym. COVID's not a thing anymore. Mm. It, it, the world's good. Whatever. And then uh, for money, I need a, a side hustle. Oh, gosh. So I started day trading, I'm going to say a couple weeks ago. Um, so, yeah, that's going. So once I get $10,000 from that, I'm going to go to New Zealand. Which oh, is my, like, which is my goal. your plan? Yeah. Mm. So um, I'm about $1,000 up right now. Mm. So last week, the, the weed stocks were really good. Oh, yeah? They were up like 30%. So I... My position isn't wasn't super aggressive, so I, I'm up like eighty seven dollars on the weed, and then the rest has just been uh, like Bitcoin and Ethereum and some of those cryptos. Mm. But yeah, once I get ten grand in profit, I'm going to become a hobbit and uh, quit the podcast <laughs> and live in a hole. You've got the hair for it. I'll tell you that. I do. Yeah. You got so. fairy, You got hairy feet. I don't know. I've got the Armenian feet, so are Lauren's feet hairy? <laughs> She's she has those same traits, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So newsflash: Lauren has hairy hobbit feet. Mm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's my game plan. 
I like it. New this strategy. is Lifestyles with Ryan. We're here to talk about all of the reasons that Ryan's life is changing and all for the better. Yes. But this is actually the Otaku Brothers podcast. Yeah, so how is your life changing, Rusty? What new drastic things have you done this week? Uh, work has been absolutely insane. So okay. we didn't yeah. record the podcast last week, and that was really because <clears throat> Lauren and I needed a weekend to get the house in order. Yeah, because we still really haven't unpackaged or like unboxed and unsuitcased all of our clothes. Uh, so we ended up going through everything, going through our closet, going through all the suitcases of clothes that we had, ended up filling up like two giant bins full of stuff to give to Goodwill. Uh, nice. So it was just really almost therapeutic in a sense to just get rid of a lot of the clutter that we had yeah. just sitting in our room for at this point months. Uh, so that was really good. And uh, work again has just really kept me on my toes. I just feel like for the first time in many, many months for sure, I uh, I just feel like I'm so in the weeds of work that I social media and everything else has just kind of been like completely out the window for me. Like That's I've, probably a good break from oh yeah. social media. Well, I mean, and I think the problem that I've been having the really since the beginning of the pandemic is just kind of getting locked into a consistent focus. Yeah. But I think when I have the amount of work that I'm under the pressure to get through... It just kind of forces me to to get into that rhythm, which is kind of nice. Yeah, I, I found the same thing. It's because we don't have those normal routines that we can lock into so easily being cooped up in our houses, mm-hmm. at least for our office jobs. It's really hard to I stay. I mean, this last week was really hard for me to focus. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, no, that's good. It's mm-hmm. good that you're focusing. Um, you're getting rid of stuff. You still have some packages in your front foyer. Do I really? Yeah, against the wall. Don't you still have some stuff? Oh, that's for my sister for Christmas. We just haven't seen anyone, so okay. <laughs> <laughs> kind of missed that date. But yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, also something really fun happened last week, and this all also kind of led into us not recording the podcast because we were recording stuff for like three hours last Friday, or at least I was. We great friends of the show. I've known them for nearly a decade at this point. Zach and Chronolink Nine One Alec of the Tarkaron Show. They please, 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 for the love of all that is good, check them out on YouTube if you want the video feed, which I strongly encourage you do, or you can get them on all of your uh, favorite podcasting platforms just to get the audio feed. But we last year did a Tarkaron Cross or Talker Brothers gift exchange for Christmas. Yes. And we did the same thing this year. And it's always such a delight to sit down with those two guys and just chat it up, laugh a bunch, and just have a fun time opening up some gifts. Yeah, it was a ton of fun. I really enjoyed myself. Yeah, so we did that for what seemed like an hour and a half-ish, maybe, nearly two hours if you count uh, just the setup time and all that good stuff. And then afterwards, I think I talked about it last episode that we um, recorded the Gentleman's Challenge Yeah. that I'm taking yeah. part of, or part in, and the two games that I got selected to play, which I'll get into when we get into the games that we've been playing recently segment, uh, were Bioshock Infinite and God of War. And so we kind of went through, the three of us talked through the games that we were challenged to play, whether or not we think we're going to be gentlemen, which is that is t- to become a gentleman. It's literally just beating one of the two games that you've been tasked to play. So again, really good times just chatting with them, getting to catch up. Uh, they're just good people. Yeah, they definitely are. So uh, outside of that, you know, not a whole lot going on. Just busy with work, which has kept me on my toes. Love it. And uh, good God, I want the sun to come out because I'm tired of the snow. Me too. I mean, as much as I enjoy the snow, 
It's a change of pace. The ice is pissing me off. Mm. I can't actually like walk anywhere with feeling like I'm gonna die, <laughs> and which is not as fun. Like I have life insurance, but I don't want to have to use it for like another sixty years. So, um, yeah, the sun will come out tomorrow, hopefully, and uh, bet your bottom dollar. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, have you been watching anything? Is it just mainly Survivor? Annie, every single day. <laughs> yeah. Oh, get me some Daddy Warbucks up in here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. That's Survivor. I can't stop myself. Someone please help me. Really? How, how many seasons have you finished since we recorded last? I've been kind of hopping all over the place. I watched uh, Tokintis. I can't remember how to pronounce seasons 18, but season 18 is a really good one. A lot of memorable characters or a lot of memorable people, contestants, however you want to label them, and they come back for future seasons. So I had seen future seasons where some of these contestants were a part of, but it's always fun to go back and watch, and in some cases rewatch the origin seasons for a lot of these people. So is this your second time watching these or are you on like the third time through? Uh, this is actually the first time I had seen season 18. Really? Yeah, yeah. Because, okay. I mean, I, I watched growing up probably through Palau, which is season 10 or 11. Like, I remember watching up to 11 consistently with my family. And then it, it's just one of those things that you, you can only watch so much Survivor, I guess. Especially yeah. when you're waiting week to week uh, to watch each episode, commercial yeah. breaks, and then between seasons, it's like six months or whatever. So... Um, we got out of it. I don't really remember watching much beyond that, to be honest with you. So recently it was a matter of rewatching all those seasons. And then now I've just been kind of like going all over the place, looking up lists, which I shouldn't be doing. I should have just gone from one to 40, but it's also yeah, been kind of sounds smart. It does. But I also just got excited and went online and was looking up. Who best... are all the winners? <laughs> no, I would never do that. But just like uh, the best seasons of Survivor, according to whoever. Okay. And kind of just bouncing around to some of those those favorite seasons. But uh, what I've also been doing is some of the earlier seasons that I've already watched th- to this point, which are the first 10 or 11, uh, I've been watching Tarkaron because they actually react to the episode. So yep. Zach edits it down to be about a 14 minute, 12 to 14 minute video and it's them watching each of the episodes and their reactions are so priceless. It's just been such a joy to rewatch some of my favorite seasons with good friends, even though I'm not talking to them in real time uh, when they watch it. So. Yeah, you showed me that before this episode and I'll, I'll probably have to watch because I finished, I think last time we recorded, I had finished season one and we talked about it a little bit. But since then, in two weeks, I finished <laughs> Two more seasons. So you watched Australia season two? Yes. And Africa season three? Yes, I have. Um, good time. I'm I'm enjoying it. Um, kind of, I don't know if I'd say burnout, but I took a turn to some other shows this week. Well, it's funny because I remember, like, you would text me as you were watching the episodes, like, this guy's a jackass, he needs to get voted out, or at yeah. one point, you got all sentimental and you were like, dude, Jeff has, like, one of the best jobs in the entire world, speaking of Jeff <laughs> I probes. Love Jeff. And, then, <laughs> and, then, and then you were like... And sometimes, dude, it happens at least two times every season at this point. I just get a little tear in my eye. <laughs> yeah, I do. Well, it's generally when you, sh- like, they show all of the, I mean, these guys are suffering day in and day out. And, mm-hmm. like, in Africa, it's obviously hot. There's lions everywhere. Like, <laughs> people are dropping left and right. Everyone's dead by the end. But, like, when they see their family send in a video and be like hey i love you like this is your kids and like the contestants reactions to that 
they're so genuine that you're like, oh, like if I were away from my family suffering, like starving to death, 40 days, I'd probably be like breaking down at that point. Well, I'm a really sensitive dude as it is. So like when Lauren would go to Japan for work, like I'd, I'd either rewatch parts of our wedding video or listen to certain songs that are just kind of like our songs yeah. and start crying. So like I can't imagine being away from someone in the elements of Survivor for 30 plus days, however it is. And then you just see this clip of a family member talking. Like if Lauren sent me a scoob, if I if Lauren sent me a scoob, sent me a scoob. <laughs> if Lauren sent me a video of her and Scoob after being on Survivor for thirty plus days, you'd be bawling. I would be sobbing in front of millions of American people watching the show live on CBS. You know, but there are. I do want to say there are three things that I want to make sure. I want to make sure there are three things I would love to do if I went on Survivor. Like three things that I'd want to happen. Your checklist. Yes, this is my Survivor checklist. So the first one, I want to get to the Survivor auction. And so okay. if you watch food. Yeah, yeah, so if you watch Survivor, it's typically when there's about six to eight people left and everyone gets five hundred dollars. Jeff is at the podium with a gavel and he raffles off these different items or auctions off these different items. And sometimes he'll keep them covered, sometimes he reveals them, but you always know that first item is gonna be great. Yeah. And typically it's like a big piece of lasagna with garlic bread and a glass of wine, or it's a burger and fries with a beer and stuff like yeah. that. So Survivor Auction, number one on my bucket list for for being on the game. Number they, two. I mean, how satisfying would that be after like eating? Usually it's like cornmeal or like grits or just rice. Rice, yeah. And then getting like a burger. The problem is like eating so clean for so long and then eating something with so much like grease or it's so much flavor you're either throwing it up or you're shitting it out within like 10 minutes oh yeah yeah like i i mean i kind of did that in high school with like chicken rice and broccoli yeah you go nuts at a certain point and uh, like the problem is i had something different and like your body doesn't know how to process it, it, it. had no idea what was going on it was we had to fumigate the computer room <laughs> in my RuneScape days because yeah. the parents, like, I burned a hole through a chair. <laughs> but, like, yeah, I, I, it would be a ton of fun. And it would just be probably the, like, on the Africa season, they had chocolate. And, like, one guy had a beer. I don't know if I could drink beer after that long. But, like, chocolate or a burger. Oh, God, yes. Yeah, so <laughs> item number one, or bucket list item number one, Survivor Auction. Yes. Number two, I want to make it to the jury. Okay. Because I feel like my time on Survivor just wouldn't be complete without having a chance to have a say in who wins that season. I completely agree. Yeah. yeah. No, I think at minimum, what, top nine you have to be for the jury? Something like I that. I think that would be like, I'd be fine with anything. Yeah. Top because nine. it'd be great to win, but really I think the greatest thing would be just to be on the jury because I feel like then you are really a part of that experience. You know, you have such a heavy hand in influencing who potentially wins the game. And at that point, you're still in that country to do what you want, explore, visit other places, but you're not suffering. Well, I don't know about that. You basically, I looked it up and I forget what it's called. I think they literally call it like purgatory or something like that. Yeah. And so each of the people in the jury are just basically at a resort where you get exactly. access to as much food shower toiletries so you can shave and clean up if you want to like the whole fixins you know what i'm saying and so i think that would be great because at that point you're in paradise you're just chilling talking to the other like contestants and like i mean i don't know if you can scheme but like you can still discuss like hey how you doing getting to know them and yeah swimming around eating 
anything. Yeah, and then at night, then you get to go to tribal council and see what's going down. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, number three, without a doubt, is the family visit. Yeah. I think that would just be such a magical experience. And actually, uh, I talked about it last night. My dad came over and Lauren and I and him were talking about like who we'd take. Because you have to write down as part of your application, I think, or if you get selected to be on the show, who's going to be your survivor potential family visit. Yeah. And so I thought, you know, I would love to have Lauren there, but maybe not, maybe my dad. Because, like, I, I mean, I grew up watching the show with him, you know? Yeah. And I think it would just be so special for, I mean, Lauren would be the person I'd want to see most, obviously. Her and yeah. Scoob. We can't bring Scoob to a tropical island. <laughs> Scoob would come in there driving a ship. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I think it would be really special for my dad to come on the show because like he's kind of the reason why are responsible for me ever even starting to watch the show. Yeah, I mean, I think you'd probably gain votes in the jury. Be like, hey, give me your dad's number and I will vote for you. Yeah, I could see that happening. My dad hooking up with one of those survivors. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. But yeah, that's my survivor bucket list. I mean, ultimately, I have to get on the show first. And uh, it's just a matter of me sitting down, working on the application, and then probably for the next year training. So The training is going to be the hard part. I think post-COVID training, that should be our goal. Yeah, and it's not a matter about, like, it's not a matter of getting super jacked because you're going to lose it, muscle it, mass so fast. I, it's more of, like, your functional muscles opposed to just putting on bulk or anything. Exactly. It's, you're doing more calisthenics and you're doing more, like... More like gymnasts. It's working on endurance, things like that. You need to be able to have to. It's really about the marathon and not the sprint when it comes to Survivor. Yeah. So. So it's a lot of like medicine balls, like back and forth, and. Dude, we'll get the we'll get the plan going. Yeah. We'll start working hard. I'm game. We'll get our sweat on with each other. (laughs) I mean, would it be the first time? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, every time we sit next to each other in a room, we just start sweating. Sweat it out. It's like (laughs) a hot room in here. Uh, so, some other shows you've been watching. What's going on? Uh, yeah, I have a few. I've finished a lot, actually. Um, so, I finished two seasons of Survivor, two Fast and the Furious movies. Oh, heck yes. So, I watched uh, Fast and the Furious 2, which kind of kept the same cast from more or less, minus Vin Diesel. Got some um, Tigerese Gibson action. It, it got more insane. Just, you know, I think it was like... I was trying to think last night. I was like, fuck, I've watched two more... What the hell even happened in the second one? Because I was mix, mixing up the first and the second. And I think the second one was they went undercover and, like, cars were flipping onto boats and stuff. Mm-hmm. And Pretty I was much. like, this is more insane. But then you got into Tokyo Drift, which Gosh, what a, it sucked. What a memorable <laughs> film that was. It was so over the top. And I didn't believe the, like, hick Texan guy who's like, I drift cars and like, let's go fight the Yakuza in Japan (laughs) while like going after the one American girl who's like friends with the boss's wife's daughter's dog. One of my favorite quotes in the whole movie is, you know, he's sitting down and talking with Han and they're having like this really great connection bro moment and Han's talking about drifting and giving him like this life lesson and Lucas Black is like, if you don't drift to win, why do you drift? Or something stupid like that. <laughs> it was just, I don't even know. Like, it, it's, I, I know it's a product of the era, but like, fuck, just try to write a script. Well, like, when, when Lucas Black wins like the at the end. the most shit. When Lucas Black wins at the end and then like the Yakuza dad like 
basically relinquishes him and says, you can go back to America now. We're not going to, like, murder you or whatever. He, like, smiles. He's like, yeah, what's up, head nod. You're like, what is going on? Yeah. Like, yeah, it was a movie. But, yeah, so I watched those. Good stuff. And then I watched some Netflix series. So one was The Fate, The Winx Saga. Mm, okay. Which was basically, like, a fairy college. Like... The the main actress is a redhead, so it was intriguing. Mm, but okay. like it's it's basically like a group of girls who are all fairies and they all have different fairy powers and like there's these dark beasts that are after them. Is and this the adult only section of Netflix? Because... Yeah, yeah, it is. Okay. No, it's I don't know. It was a new Netflix drama and it uh, it was interesting. I don't know, it's like Harry Potter if it was all everyone was a fairy. Sounds cool. really intriguing. <laughs> it, it's there's only one season. I'm they set up season two. I was entertained. I ended up just binging it in a night. But that was a show that exists. I don't know if I'd recommend. If you want, like, background show, that's probably something. It's not super highbrow. I mean, it's a fairy college. But, yeah, it's worth watching in the background. Mm -hmm. One that I really liked, though, is Crime Scene, The Vanishing at Cecil Hotel. All right, this sounds really good. It is. It's a it's a true story documentary. It's four episodes, about forty five minutes each, and it's about uh, this girl. I don't remember her name, but she basically goes to the Cecil Hotel in Skid Row, Cal- or L.A., mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and she disappears from the. And the the last kind of sighting of her is this video of her acting really weird in oh, the elevator. I saw this advertised. And it was really good. Like, there's some documentaries that are too intense. Like, there's, for me, there's one about, like, the mob that I couldn't sit through. But, like, this one was short enough. And, like, there's twists and turns. And it's not too intense. It's worth watching. Now, when did this take place? Oh, gosh. Don't. I have no no idea. Yeah, I want to say, like, 10, 20 years ago. And now, is this an open case still? Or is it closed? It's It's closed. Yeah, they they come to a conclusion at the end, which I like. Um, it, it was a really cool walkthrough. And it, I mean, it's only four episodes, so it's not super daunting of a task. Some documentaries, there was one about, there was like that movement out west where like someone, the Dalai Lama came over and they formed this religious group and just murdered people. But like that was like ten episodes, which was way too intense. But this one, four episodes, is very doable. Mm-hmm. I think I watched three one night, and then I watched the final one in the morning. But it's worth watching for sure. Nice. Uh, what? What was the name of it again? Uh, let's see. Crime scene: The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel. Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel. And this on Netflix. Yes. Yes. All right. Well, I'll definitely have to check that out. That sounds great. Yeah, it's a good. I mean, you could probably finish it all today after your mom leaves. Mm-hmm. It's. Once you start it, you won't stop. Okay. Um, good break from Survivor. Awesome. And Love then it. the last one. Oh, he's not stopping. What? I said you're just not stopping. No, I I don't know if we want to put a spoiler tag. You don't care if I spoil WandaVision for you or talk. I don't really know. I'm not going to probably watch this. So I guess spoilers for through episode six, which aired yesterday. So WandaVision, the first three episodes sucked i did not find it to be fun at all and he takes a sip of water yeah i'm I'm talking too much i need to drink some water 
Um, I don't know. It just wasn't intriguing to me. And I know Matt quit after the first episode because it was just, it was going through, I mean, it's a cool concept in, th- in theory. It's going through the different decades. So the first, I want to say two episodes were based off of like, I love Lucy kind of time period, very much that style. And then the next fourth episode, I think, was based off of like the Brady Bunch. Mm. And then I think the fifth was also based off like the Brady Bunch kind of style, um, the intros, the way it's shot. And then this most recent episode is based off of like Malcolm in the Middle. Oh, okay. So like late 90s, early 2000s. How does Frankie um, Muniz look nowadays? What? Frankie Muniz. Frankie Muniz. Wasn't he in Malcolm in the Middle? I Dude, if you name an actor, I will not know him. <laughs> I'm sure Frankie's in the show. Okay. Yeah, sure. And um, yeah, it, I think it's getting better. I think this is a good setup to where they're going in the MCU for Phase 5. Oh, okay. Um, I, I, I think what they're going to do... So the core concept of the show is WandaVision, after the death of Vision and kind of Endgame, she kind of shuts down. Okay. uh, Because she can't deal with the death of uh, Vision. Mm -hmm. And she obviously, she disappears, comes back five years later in Endgame and then helps defeat Thanos. Spoiler for Endgame, I guess. And now she's having this, like, meltdown because the love of her life, her husband, died, and she doesn't know how to cope with it. Along with losing her entire country that blew up in uh, Avengers Ultron, and then losing her brother in that movie. So she basically has no one. Yeah. And she, she can't handle that. And her powers are basically manipulate reality. So what she did is she took over a town and just made, like, a force field around it. And she's making these sitcom or like walking through like Lie, Love, Lucy and everything as this reality. So mm-hmm. she basically paints over reality and she's living a life with Vision who's dead. And it's slowly leaking out over these episodes that this something's not right. And in this last episode, she just kind of went nuts because Vision was getting ripped apart because he's finally re- this Vision character who's not Vision was dying. So uh. w- what it's setting up or what they're theorizing is Wanda is going to be the villain in Phase Five. Ooh, which would be awesome. I think she's the villain. I think it's House of M. Maybe I, I'm not a huge comic person, but that's what I was hearing. Which is, is like she has kids in this, and she finds out that potentially that they're not real like they don't exist um so she loses her kids she's lost vision she just kind of goes nuts and just starts ripping holes in reality and then ends up like getting rid of all the mutants and she just she's overpowered in the comics okay so if she becomes the villain that would be awesome and i think melfisto or something like the hell the satan character um, I think it was film theory was saying that they're probably not going to do the Satan character because they have to deal with the Chinese market uh-huh. and they'd get rid of any like religious kind of imagery in there. So, yeah, if, if Wanda is a villain and there's been interviews with the Olsen that she would love to do House of M. Nice. So, it, it's getting interesting now, but 
it was a very slow start. Well, maybe I'll have to check it out eventually. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, Ryan, enough about Survivor and enough about TV. Let's get into the games that we have been playing recently. Yeah. Do you want to go first? Because I just talked for like 30 minutes straight. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, so I've been playing some really good stuff the past couple weeks. Nice. And the first of which being the game that I was tasked to play for the Gentleman's Challenge. We talked about it in the beginning of the episode. Yeah. Bioshock Infinite. And how's that? Or from what you can say? Oh my goodness. See, it's so difficult because I feel like this game requires you to just sit down with like an entire pot of coffee or an entire bottle of bourbon and just theorize not only about the game, but just about life. Because the thematically what this game approaches is wild. And it, they do it in such a way that I, I think it's done pretty respectfully okay. and tastefully. But... Man, it is so dark and so bold in its direction that I just, and and I don't know this, so definitely a Corona's Correction Corner here. What is Ken Levine doing? Because he was obviously the director of the first Bioshock game and writer and certainly Bioshock Infinite as well. I'm not sure what happened with 2. That was kind of a Dark Souls 2 situation where Miyazaki dipped out for a couple years. But um, Bioshock Infinite, man, is so damn good. And the storytelling is... Phenomenal. I mean, this is a true masterpiece of a game, and I'm so glad that I went seven, eight years at this point having the game not spoiled for me in really any capacity. Like, I knew that... I don't know anything about the game. I just know it's something that I should play, and there's, like, balloons and steampunk. Yeah, and really at at a very high level, and this is kind of just setting the groundwork for the game, you play as this guy named Booker. Okay. And he's voiced by Troy Baker, of course, of all people. And you kind of get introduced to this city in the sky called Columbia. Okay. Well, you're tasked with going after and finding this young girl named Elizabeth. And at the beginning of the game, I kind of almost saw parallels with The Last of Us, which is really interesting because both games came out in the same year. Hmm. And you have these two people that clearly have a lot of baggage. They have a pretty rough past and they kind of come together for the sake of moving forward and going on this wild roller coaster of an adventure. That's about where I'll stop it and leave okay. it because I felt like I didn't really know what was going on for the majority of the game until really the last leg of it, which is probably the pa- the last two hours maybe. How long is the game? Uh, it depends. I mean, you can probably power through the game in five or six hours, but what I love about the Bioshock game so much, and Bioshock Infinite is no exception, I mean, it takes everything that the first two games does, or did, and just ups the ante to the nth degree in the best of ways. And what I love about these games is that there's so much to explore and see, Mm -hmm. so much to unpack in the world, so many hidden messages. It's kind of like Dark Souls in the sense that the story is more in your face in the Bioshock games and the Dark Souls games, yeah. but you have all of these audio recordings and notes and things littered on the walls and propaganda spread out everywhere that if you really pay attention and you take the time to hack a bunch of stuff, uh, it's kind of like Skyrim in the sense that you're looting a whole bunch of bodies and chests and whatever else. But if you actually unpack and dissect the world and pick it apart a bit, man, it's just, the, the world is just rich with so much storytelling. So, does this have any really I think the first one it was a sanctuary was the rapture rapture mm-hmm. something basically the same thing yeah uh, is number two in rapture as well mm-hmm. okay so th- does this have any connection to that world or is this a completely different world I cannot confirm or deny okay 
So is it worth playing the first? I haven't. Pl- I think I played halfway through one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd obviously have to start over. Um, is it worth playing through those two first to build out the world? Or what do you think? Absolutely. To me, I feel like... the. And, and I'm going to do my best not to spoil anything. And I don't think this is. If you've played all three games, it is. Or you you probably consider it to be. But without the context, I would say it is not. I feel like the three Bioshock games are parts one, two, and three to a grander singular story. Okay. Do you you think they'd ever do a sequel to... No. Would they not need to? No. Okay. I don't want any more information. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, um, I downloaded the collection of one and two when it was on the what PSN, mm-hmm. one of those monthly games. Um, but yeah, it, it's something I've always been interesting. They're terrifying though. Like, the, I think that was the thing that drove me away. Is I don't know, like running after the big daddies or the the big whatever those big robot things, mm-hmm. and then like having to suck the soul out of like a little kid. It was like. And the lighting is so dark and terrifying. Like they do an amazing job with the atmosphere, at oh, least for from sure. what I've played. But like, you know how I am with scary games. Well, it was funny because towards the end of Bioshock Infinite, there was this moment where I pulled this lever, and then I turned around, and there was this like half dead person, like just standing there. I literally wish I was streaming because someone would have clipped it. Lauren wasn't home. I like screamed <laughs> like, ah! like literally out the top of my lungs, and was just like. like it was one of the most terrifying moments in the whole game and it wasn't like it wasn't critical to the story in any way it Mm. was just this jump scare that came out of nowhere yeah i you're you're really selling it with the jump scares (laughs) no i i think it's it'll be worth playing eventually it's Mm -hmm. just me talking myself into it's the hard part it there's some of the best games of the last generation uh or two generations ago at this point but if you haven't played the bioshock games I mean, it's just one of those critical games that I feel like everyone needs to play. And Bioshock was so influential in the video game industry when it first came out. Like, so many people draw inspiration from it, either indirectly or directly. I mean, more than anything, just to challenge themselves as video game creators to really redefine what video games can be. And I think Bioshock is like a a shining example of that. Yeah, I think... Probably Bioshock is the one that I really think of as whether it's two generations or like Dead Space is another one that kind of break like breaks out of that mold that video games kind of become mm-hmm. or what is whatever that trilogy is with the spacesuit and like Shepard Mass Effect yeah I think Mass Effect Bioshock and Dead Space are some of those games that really form their own kind of pocket mm-hmm. in the gaming sphere. For sure. Yeah, I mean, that was a, I mean, there's just an insane generation. Xbox 360, PS3, Wii. Yeah. A lot is, of memorable games. Is that all you've been playing? No, that I've got some other stuff too, but Bioshock okay. definitely is the highlight. I uh, haven't started God of War yet. I know we got the patch on PS5 with the 60 frames and looks a lot prettier, but I have not gotten a chance to get back into that game. So hopefully in the next week, I have until end of March to become a supreme gentleman if I complete both Bioshock Infinite and God of War. Nice, you can rule the Senate. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, the next game I played was Telltale's Batman. Oh, I think okay. I had brief impressions on the last episode, and I've said it a number of times on the show, I'm a big fan of Telltale's games. I've played Game of Thrones, all of the Walking Dead seasons, a couple of the other ones I can't even remember at this point, but Telltale's Batman... Uh, 
I wouldn't say it's it ranks as high as okay, so The Wolf Among Us and yeah. The Walking Dead are probably kind of the two standout series from Telltale that I love. Batman, if you're a really big fan of the character, the comics, and the movies, I think this game is an absolute must-play. Okay. Has the typical Telltale graphic style, the chapter-to-chapter, episode-to-episode storytelling. Your decisions have a heavy hand in characters dying, surviving. You kind of change the direction of the story. It's everything you'd expect to be in a Telltale game. But I felt like the first two episodes were just really kind of a slow burn. And it takes everything from the Batman Arkham games of the detective mode, which in kind of short snippets, I think is fun in the open world Arkham Asylum city games. Mm -hmm. But it's just kind of a drag in the Telltale games because your character already moves so slow and you kind of have to look around the map to figure out what buttons you need to press, things to interact with. So that kind of slows down and bogs down the experience quite a bit. But I think where it shines most is just how it kind of seamlessly blends so many iconic Batman characters and villains. And by the end of the game, man, the final chapter just breezes on by and really exciting how they set up the second season, which I didn't even really know there was a second season because I thought by this time Telltale had kind of gone under Mm -hmm. and they weren't able to to move on with the second season. Uh, But they did... And I downloaded it, and I'm kind of working on that now. I don't really want to spoil the the villain that they kind of set up for the second season. Uh, I will say it's one of the most iconic Batman villains. So Nice. I'll say that. But uh, definitely worth playing. Certainly, if uh, we got any trophy collectors out there, you know. Hint, hint, got, nudge, nudge. <laughs> got that easy platinum with any of the Telltale games, because as long as you complete the episodes, you're good to go. But you know what pissed me off? What what pisses you off, Rusty? Tell us. Season four of The Walking Dead, the final season when Skybound Games ended up taking over to finish off those final two episodes because Telltale went under. That whole season is not structured like the earlier Telltale and not the earlier Walking Dead games where you just play through all five episodes and you get the platinum trophy. And this one, you actually have to run around and try and find all the collectibles and they're not always right in your face like you definitely have to go off the beaten path to find them and again movement in those games is so damn slow that at the time it wasn't really worth it but you know now i'm competing for life at this point yeah so what i'm hearing is blink don't play the fourth season of the walking dead because it's not an easy platinum that's what i'm saying just play the first or what two and three and one i guess yeah, the first three seasons, and then Walking Don't, Walking Don't, Walking <laughs> Dead, the Michonne episodes. I don't think there was a platinum trophy for that either. Is that legal? <laughs> Shouldn't be. I feel like you have to have trophies. And nowadays, there should every game. Should I mean, have the, a there wasn't trophies for the DLC of Bloodborne, which kind of pissed me off. Yeah, there was. No, there wasn't. The old hunters. Was there? Dude, yeah, Lady. No, Maria. I'm, I'm thinking the DLCs for uh, Dark Souls Three. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I, I trust me, I've gotten those. I was going to say, I have evidence of my trophies from the <laughs> yeah. one DLC, all right? Yeah, that's true. You have beaten two of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. DLC needs to have trophies. I'm not a trophy snob like Rusty and Blink, but mm-hmm. if you're going to give me shit to do, you better give a reward me for the shit I'm doing besides just the experience. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm superficial. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so. so outside of Telltale's Batman, a couple more games I've been kind of working my way through. Aragorn's Quest. Never heard of that one. Really great game. Oh my gosh. Should have won Game of the Year when it was when it came out uh, 12 years ago. I don't even remember. <laughs> yeah. 
I played it on the Wii originally, the Waggle Fest that that was, and I got it on PS3, I don't even know how many years ago, but I wanted to get the trophies, and it's not too terrible of a platinum to get, it's really just collecting, killing like 300 goblins, 300 orcs, 300 whatever, and swinging your sword 2,500 times, and it's not that bad. Just a bunch of ridiculous stuff like that, that more than more often than not, you can just get the trophies by playing through the game. Okay. The thing I didn't really remember, you know, when you think of Aragorn's Quest, you think of like, it's it's kind of like your favorite band's greatest hits record, you mm-hmm. know? Like, it's going to have all of the shining moments, and just, you're in, and then you're out. So when you think of Aragorn's Quest, you think maybe... Weathertop. Weathertop, when you're fighting the Nazgul... The end when you're fighting Lurts and Aemon Hen. Mm-hmm. Two towers, you're maybe the wargs when you're in Rohan. Yeah, shooting down Helm's Deep. Um, I don't know how far it goes through. It goes through the giving, all- giving a speech, singing a song, becoming a king. Kill, you bow to no fighting one. Fighting a troll. Yeah, and yeah. then you, you tell the hobbits they bow to no one and the credits roll. Yeah, I mean, even you could do the being a ranger at the beginning. Oh my gosh. Fighting with uh, the king of Rohan's grandpa. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, no, this game is just has so much fluff and crap in, like infused into it, and the way it's kind of set up. <laughs> he's like baking bread. <laughs> like, he's constipated one episode, so that's like three hours of gameplay. Uh, so it's it's set up after the events of all the Lord of the Rings have taken place. You're actually in the Shire, narrating <laughs> the whole game as Sam dying. <laughs> Just like, okay. Yeah. You okay? Yeah, I'm good. All I'm right. cracking myself up. I, as always. Uh, no, you play as the, it's narrated as Sam Gamgee, and he's hmm. talking to his kids, walking you through all of the events from Aragorn's perspective that happened over the course of the Fellowship, Two Towers, and Return of the King. Okay. So he's kind of telling the story to his kids, and then you live those moments as Aragorn and Gandalf and Gimli and Legolas and... Okay. The main cast. But. How, I, how is that the mundane moments of the story? Because it takes so long to get to the defining moments. Like when you're in Moria, you literally have to travel all through Moria for like 45 minutes before you get to the Balrog fight. Yeah. And Eamon Hen, or not Eamon Hen, but um, Weathertop. Dad. Yep, dad's calling me as always. Uh, Weathertop, when you're fighting the Nazgul, you literally leave the Shire, and then it's the whole journey to Weathertop before you actually get there. Then Frodo gets stabbed by the Nazgul, and then it's like 30 minutes of traveling fields hitting goblins before you get to... That's a big world. Arwen. That's bigger than I'd expect for like a PS3 game. It's pretty impressive, too. It's all rendered in real time. There's no loading screens. It's more impressive than I thought. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it gives you the authentic experience, but... Yeah, Middle Earth is a big world. It a is. A big continent. I think the biggest compliment I can give the game is that it's very fan servicey. So, you know, it is the greatest hits, if you will, of all the Lord of the Rings films. You play as Aragorn. What yeah. more can you ask for? Very repetitive combat, but the music is lovely. Okay. So, really good music. It actually kind of reminded me of Lord of the Rings Online. Like when you're exploring kind of the overworld, if you will, and certainly the Shire. Uh, because that's kind of what it sounds like. If I mean, if you're going a 30 minute trek from what Weathertop to the Elves, mm-hmm. that sounds like a big world to explore. It is, yeah. It's just pretty mediocre. 
Yeah, you need to go back to Lord of the Rings online. <laughs> I don't know if I should go down that rabbit hole, Ryan, but I would love to play online with you if you end up... I mean, you have a PC capable of playing. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I mean, we played Halo two weeks ago. Yeah. So if anyone wants to play some Lord of the Rings online with me, you let me know. And it's not pay to play. You can play for free and then... Right? Yeah, no, it's, it's free to play. I think you can play some subscription fee every month to get either access to more stuff or get more gear. I can't remember what it is, but there is a subscription fee to get all the of... The Uber stuff. Yeah, the Uber game. Yeah, because you're showing me the armor for like one of those Nazgul lords of death who's like level 7,000. Yeah. Like, he can rip apart Middle Earth with like his thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. you were just a lonely fucking hobbit. Yeah, <laughs> pretty some. much. So... It's good times, though, man. Lord of the Rings online soundtrack is so, so good. Yeah. Yeah, it is. But yeah, so outside of Aragorn's quest really bringing me down, uh, Telltale's Batman, which actually is a really good time, Bioshock Infinite, been playing some pretty good games, but that's about it for me this week. Nice. Yeah, I, um, I've been playing some completely different type of games than those, so talking about moving forward with my life, oh. I, I was playing some RuneScape. Oh, word. My word. <laughs> no, this was more of just an AFK. I was, when I was watching those documentaries and... AFK, uh, what does that mean? Away from keyboard. Oh. Oh, so it's... Of course it does. Yeah. I mean, you got RL, real life, or, but like, yeah, AFK, that's a common term, dude. You've got a computer now. You need to learn this shit. I'd never heard of that before. So, yeah, AFK is basically like, you don't have to pay a lot of attention to whatever you're doing in the game. Um, while you're earning coins or whatnot. Mm-hmm. So, Tending uh, to your sheep. Dude, my flocks. <laughs> just shepherding the shit out of them. But no, I, I was just grinding some levels. Um, I think the last time I talked about RuneScape, I was level 83 prayer. Mm. And I'm now level 92 out oh of 99. Boy. So I am over halfway there. Um, 92 is kind of the big milestone. So I'm, I'm kind of happy where I'm at now. Um, so talking about real video games, uh, the other game I was playing was actually one that we got from the Takaron show slash podcast. Oh. Um, so I got the Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories. Oh, yeah. On the Game Boy Advance. So I was playing, actually, I have it on the PS5 and I have it because with the 1.5, 2.5 disc mm-hmm. comes with that. And then... I think I went maybe a year ago. I tried doing it, and it was very much set up like Kingdom Hearts 1, which kind of threw me off. So I ended up playing the Game Boy Advance game for, like, the first six worlds. And then I wanted to juxtapose that with the PS5 experience as well. It sounds like a Ryan move. Yeah. And I don't know. It's The card system is weird going back to it. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm also I'm also kind of AFKing that as well, um, not having a keyboard, but just I was paying more attention to Survivor. And I know there's a lot of different, like you can chain together different number cards or different total values to get different uh, combos. But I'd rather just brute force it if I'm grinding one day. Uh, not to get into this a really complicated card system, but like nine nine can break any other card so say axel uses a level five card six and above through nine can break that card so mine takes priority over his Mm -hmm. so i just loaded a deck with nines and eights and just i'm grinding which was a ton of fun uh just to relax after work 
And yeah, I, I think as far as like the PS5 version goes, they pull a lot of the assets from Kingdom Hearts 1. Yeah. And you kind of walk through all of the worlds from Kingdom Hearts 1, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And what I didn't realize because I had only played, I don't think I, Chain of Hearts was my first one, so I had no kind of... Chain of Memories. Yeah. What did I say? Chain of Hearts? <laughs> yeah. Chain of Hearts. And uh, so Chain of Memories my, was my first game I ever played in the series, so I know kind of grounding for Kingdom Hearts 1. And now understanding where it falls into the series, it's basically the game in between Kingdom Hearts 1 and Kingdom Hearts 2. Mm-hmm. And they actually go to... Is it Traverse Town? Twilight Town. Twilight Town's the one in Kingdom Hearts 1, but Traverse Town is the one in Kingdom Hearts 2 where you're Roxas. No, so... Is it vice versa? We're going to be confusing the hell out of the listeners that haven't played Kingdom Hearts. There's a town. Traverse Town is in Kingdom Hearts 1. Twilight Town is where you start oh, yeah, out yeah, as yeah, so Roxas. So you start out in Traverse Town, and then by like halfway through or towards the end of the game in Chain of Memories, you're in Twilight Town. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of going towards the place where Kingdom Hearts 2 starts. Mm-hmm. And that mansion, yeah, the mansion, and kind of underneath where Sora's in like a fucking bathta tank or bathta <laughs> tank from Star Wars. Um, oh, and Tetsuya Namara, are you listening, man? We need to get you on the podcast. Yeah, help us walk through the Kingdom Hearts. Please help story. us understand what is going on in your mind. Um, so yeah, it's kind of cool to see how it's connected now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm still trying to get to the Riku story, which I never finished, but. Yeah, seeing how it's connected and seeing them pull the Kingdom Hearts 1 assets into this is making the PS5 version better for me. The the 3D fighting for the card chains, pretty rough. Yeah. Um, It's harder than it is on the Game Boy Advance um, for bossing. Because I think the the bossing for the Kingdom Hearts is almost a 2D kind of experience. Mm -hmm. So you have a singular plane, whereas... In the PS5, it's kind of like the Kingdom Hearts 1 battle with Ansem or whatever at the end where it doesn't seem fair for some of the bullshit attacks that he does. Um, and Chain of Memories is no different. But yeah, overall, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Good relaxation and good just grind. Yeah, it's a game I definitely need to go back to at some point because it's the one... It's the one Kingdom Hearts game that doesn't excite me about replaying. Like, mm-hmm. any of the Kingdom Hearts games, any day of the week, I feel like I could pick up, play for a couple hours, and have a heck of a good time. But even thinking about going back to Chain of Memories just feels like I need to almost put on a different gaming hat mm-hmm. and be well, in a different mindset to play it. If I were you, I wouldn't play... So I'm playing... I started an account on Proud. Because I'm like, oh, I, I beat this as a kid. Like, I'd like to hope that adult me is smarter than stupid kid me mm-hmm. was wrong lofty goals yeah. yeah i was i've not matured at all um proud is hard like i i got to i think lark scene the first fight i'm like i maybe i just didn't work on combos enough but mm-hmm. i ended up switching and going through the game on the standard edition but even that is hard like i'm, yeah. I'm stuck on shield guy one of the 13 chair people <laughs> and like I think if you were to go through it, you should go on the easiest difficulty, mm. which is not like a walk in the park. I, I don't know. It's not like a bash on the 
you as a gamer, but if you're going to enjoy the game at all, which you already don't like the system of cards. Listen, dude, if you're going to throw shade at me, don't back out. I mean, you're never going to get the platinum trophy. Yeah. I mean, whoa. Is that a, is that a I mean, you're never going to get the Platinum Trophy for all Kingdom Hearts games ever. No, they're the worst. I'm not. There's no way. Kingdom I'm Hearts games are the worst. No, You've heard it here yeah. <laughs> from Rusty. Yeah, they're good. Out of context, they're talking about this. Yeah. But uh, no, the, the Platinum Trophy grinds for those games outside of three. I think I can do three pretty relatively easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, but outside of that, no, dude, there's no like, way. The Kingdom Hearts 1 Ultimate Blade or Ultimate Weapon is just ridiculous well it would take so many more playthroughs for me because i would need to beat it on critical mode which there's no way in hell i'm doing that doesn't sound fun and then i also need to do a run where i don't die and i never change equipment which i was actually grinding that out on stream last year until you screwed up on stream until i screwed up on stream so i feel like the changing of gear thing i could definitely do not dying it'd be tough but definitely doable there's no way i'm doing it out there's no way i'm playing it on critical and there's no way i'm grinding out the og ultima blade I mean, because that one you have to get like shards drops from different guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just a ton of grind. Like I spread up, I set up a spreadsheet for that one because I was trying to go for the ultimate weapon in one, two, and three. Yeah, three is probably the most doable. Um, I think there's only like five things you have to do, but one, yeah, you have to grind out these monsters for hours. Yeah, it's not worth it. But if you ever decide to get the ultimate weapons. I got you on where to grind shit. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. So, yeah, that's all I've been playing. Um, I'll probably just continue probably today through next week playing Chain of Memories. I'm not sure what I want to watch. Um, more Survivor. Probably more Survivor. <laughs> Survivor. Um, and I'll probably just grind out Chain of Memories. We got a good season coming up. Marquesas has some pretty memorable contestants. Yeah, I, I, it's crazy how di- not to talk. We've talked about Survivor for like forty five like, minutes fast to an hour. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the variety. I think is what makes the show. Mm-hmm. So watch Survivor and play Chain of Memories. <laughs> well, so one one quick thing, one quick thing. Yeah. Uh, so Final Fantasy X, what's the status? Putting it on the back burner. Yeah, I'm putting it on a back burner. I I put like ten. 15 hours in there mm-hmm. um i just have to learn the battle system and some of the combos and i think the tree of like how you upgrade characters it's just so large it's terrifying i think for you again final fantasy to me as a series it's very daunting so i think you need to just find an entry point and this is speaking for anyone that hasn't played a Final Fantasy game. You need to find an entry point that clicks, and I feel like it makes the rest of the series more accessible. For me, it was playing 13 and 9. Kind of playing those two in the matter of a year. It was kind of that entry point I needed to feel comfortable digging a little deeper into the series, going back to the roots of Final Fantasy 1 and 2 on PSP, where like it didn't it wasn't too intrusive. Like it well, felt I was like, enjoying seven. Like the the original, not the remake. Like, I got pretty far in that one. Mm-hmm. I got past the point of where they make it in the remake. Yeah, I'm talking about, like, actually beating one, though. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean... Yeah. S- speechless. <laughs> so, I, my point being, well, because I, think, I know the games that you like to play, I think Final Fantasy fifteen is the perfect entry point for you. Okay. I think you need to just lock that in. Not trying to go back to 10, not try and play 7 original, not playing 7 remake. Just go right to the game that caters to your gaming interests. One of my goals this year, I mean, during the Tarkaran show, I got like every Final Fantasy 
ever. Mm-hmm. So I have to beat one this year, and that will happen. Yeah. But it's I, I'm on the Kingdom Hearts uh, trip right now, mm-hmm. so that's my JRPG for this month. And then I'm probably not going to get uh, what is it? Bravely default right away. I'll probably wait on that. I think that's early March. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have Monster Hunter. But yeah, I, I'm slowly going to grind my way through one of them. It's just finding a time. Yeah, because I, I think they have good stories. But right now, with like watching shows on the side and AFK, I can't. I want. I won't be able to pay attention. So. Well, there's another reason why you got to play 15 because outside of the story moments, you could spend 10 hours on the road grinding, hunting monsters, completing bounties. It's true. Driving down the old country roads, listening to Final Fantasy 13's music. You know. Yeah. No, I will. I I've promised the listeners that I'm going to beat a Final Fantasy. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, well, we got it in blood, too, so make it happen. Yeah, I know. When you forced me down with that blood contract, it was it was a rough night. But, yeah. yeah, good stuff. I like I like when people go back to play the more, uh, kind of the black sheep of the Kingdom Hearts series and Chain yeah. of Memories, so good stuff. But, Ryan, I think that is a wrap on the games that we have been playing recently. Yeah, I think so. What do you say we get right back into some of these Chuck Klosterman supertheticals? Let's do it. So, I think it was two episodes ago at this point. Yeah, because the last episode was like 50 minutes. Yeah. We were planning on doing more, but we didn't. So, for those that missed the last episode, or two episodes ago, Ryan and I got the follow-up to Chuck Klosterman's hypotheticals, which are these insane conversation starters with friends, family, and maybe strangers, who knows. So, this box says 50 new questions for strange conversations. And trust me when I say, they're pretty freaking weird. So, we'll do five more today. Okay. We'll yeah. d- we'll see where it goes. I mean, if we ra- you know we rattle through these questions, maybe we'll do more. Uh, but let's just kind of start with uh, five. Okay. So I'm gonna Sounds put it good. here. Uh, here we go. So this is a specific person. Yeah. So I guess recap: all of these are about specific people, whereas hypotheticals were about situations. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it always involves someone. So Ryan and I off the cuff here are gonna have to loop someone into the conversation here. Yes, Whether I actually made a list of people that I can reference because it helps me think. Good for you, man. Love it. I think Above I did, and beyond. I think I did too, but I don't know where the list went. Nice. So, Below and beyond. There it is. <laughs> All right, this is a specific, pers- specific person. Okay. This is the most famous person you've ever encountered in real life. Oh. The encounter was not necessarily significant, but you exchanged some level of recognition. In other words, <laughs> it can't be... Uh, it can't be someone you saw. It has to be someone with whom you've communicated verbally or non-verbally. Let me say that again. The encounter was not necessarily significant. Again, this is a famous person. But you exchanged in some level of recognition. In other words, it can't just be someone you saw. Okay, it has to be someone who you actually communicated with. So, like, I've seen Sylvester Stallone at a distance. Mm-hmm. But I didn't communicate didn't with like him. Touch his face. Uh, yeah, exactly. We okay. didn't swap spit or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, all right. So you got someone in mind for this? Yes. Okay, I do too. Do you want to name who that person is? Uh, Peyton Manning. Really? Yes. Yeah. Where'd you see him at? Uh, the golf course I used to work at. Oh, good for you. At Mirfield. Very. I hear he's a great guy. He is. He's yeah. has giant fucking hands. <laughs> I, he's a QB and one of yeah. the best. So I. I he imagine- chased me in his car. He chased you in his car? Yeah. Okay. This sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> He's the worst. Uh, Kick uh, him out of the Hall of Fame. <laughs> for me, it is actually Stone Cold Steve Austin. 
Who's that? Professional wrestler. Uh, if you're into WWE or WWF or WW something. One of the W's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So I was at a monster truck rally with my mom and her boyfriend at the time. Okay. And it was one of those those things where uh, I was in the audience and they were asking for someone to come up and have a chat with Stone Cold Steve Austin and some other wrestler. I don't remember who it was at the time. And I just was like jumping like a crazy person. I was like maybe seven, eight years old. Yeah. And uh, I was jumping up and down and they called me down from the stands. I got to go out in the dirt where all these monster trucks were doing all kinds of flips and crashing and stuff like that. And Stone Cold Steve Austin, I got to shake his hand. You know, he said, how are you doing, young man? And I said, just dandy, my dude. And he literally took a tall boy Coors Light, chugged it right in front of me, smashed it in front of his head and then signed a blow up, blow up hammer and said, go on your merry way. Oh, awesome. So, very memorable. We're best friends. He smashed me with the Coors Light can. <laughs> <laughs> uh, true story, though. None yeah. of that is fictitious. I did get the hammer, and it's still my mom's place somewhere. Awesome. All right. This person is accused of murder. Yeah. The victim is another celebrity of similar, similar notoriety. Yeah. It is a com- complicated case. There's valid evidence that they are guilty and valid evidence that they are innocent. Mm-hmm. Two sides to every story, Ryan. Okay. How much does your personal encounter with the alleged murder affect your view of their guilt or innocence? I think I'll just go ahead and kick things off. I mean, this man, this giant, bald, grizzly, it wasn't grizzly, it wasn't bearded or anything like that, but the man was jacked. Yeah. He proceeded to chug a 16-ounce beer in front of me and smash it in his face. So that kind of has, you know, murderer written all over it, I would think. So who did he murder? I mean, it's got to be Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Oh, this is before okay. he got like ultra jacked. You know, this was in his more sloppier days. His like turtleneck days. It's <laughs> <laughs> like fanny pack turtleneck days. Okay. Yeah. So I'm thinking Peyton Manning murdered Aaron Rodgers. Whoa. Or potentially, hypothetically Aaron, murdered him. But they also found, like, a bloody deflated football. So it kind of seems like Tom Brady's implicated. I like the way this is going. Yeah, but, like, I don't know. Peyton Manning chased me with his car after making a wrong turn going to the parking lot. So, like, I could see him running down, like, Aaron Rodgers with his car and flattening him. What so, kind of car are we talking about? I think it was a it was a giant truck. So, I a mean, it has truck. a lot of, like, a Ford truck. Okay. So he has the potential to run over a lot of things, even smaller vehicles. Now, is this like a Stephen King situation where he runs over him and he says, hey, buddy, you only got one Super Bowl (laughs) ring and I got two, and he runs back over him again or something? I don't know. Like, I don't know what his motivation would be Mm -hmm. because they're both kind of all right at their jobs. They're decent. They're both. Is Aaron Rodgers in the Hall of Fame? He's still playing. He can't be. Okay. Well, he they want to keep him out of the hall of fame <laughs> <laughs> and murder's the only way to do that okay yeah that's fair or no maybe aaron rodgers is in on it and the only way to get him to the hall of fame quicker is to murder him to get him out of the league a sympathy vote yeah mm-hmm. yeah they're like oh poor guy got run over by a car blasted by a deflated football it's a tragic story you know Hard times for football players out there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it must be hard making millions a year. Well, I wonder who gets the, uh, 
I wonder who's in his will because him and Shailene Woodley are shagging it up and apparently they're engaged now. I did see that. That was freaking weird. But like, they're like, oh, this age gap's huge. And I'm looking at him like Aaron Rodgers, like 30. It's in like an eight year age gap because she's like 29 and he's like 37. Yeah, that's not too significant. No, it's not weird. But I mean, like, there's people he was in Hollywood. like graduating from college when she was like five. Like, there's people in Hollywood that have like a 40 year age gap, right? Yeah, like a uh, Playboy guy or. Uh, well, Hugh Hefner is an anomaly. All right, we're on. Yeah, he's like 140 dating like 18 year olds. <laughs> all right, what do you say we get in the next card, Ryan? Sure. All right, this next one says um, a hypothetical person. Okay. So again, I, I don't know what. Let's keep going with the question. Well, these cards can play one of two situations. It's either a specific person that you know, or in the case of Stone Cold Steve Austin and Aaron Rodgers or whatever, it's a specific person that exists. Okay. But this one is kind of just creating a fictitious person for the purpose of this of the card. Okay. All right? Sounds good. This person is your genetic clone. Mm. I don't know if we need two Ryans running around. <laughs> that sounds like hell on earth. <laughs> <laughs> they look exactly like you and have the mm. same level of intelligence and confidence. They desire and fear the same things you do. Mm. The only differences are whatever they've gained from their own personal experiences. So I assume there's two walks of life here. I've walked mine. They're the same person as me, but they've walked their own and almost a different dimension, but on the same planet, right? Okay. It has come to your attention that your clone is trying to destroy you. The definition of destruction is whatever it means to you in your mind. All right? Mm. Some people say your clone is trying to destroy you because it is the evil version of yourself. Others insist your clone is trying to kill you because you are in fact the evil the person. You have three options. You can go into hiding. You can meet your clone and try to use reason and diplomacy. You can attempt to destroy your clone before it destroys you. Which option do you select, Ryan? <laughs> well, it would make sense why someone was trying to copy my Instagram at one point. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's probably my evil clone. Yeah. But they did a shit job, and I, I still didn't. I just kind of gave up caring, so... It seems like, from past experience, I took the defensive route. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, if this is a real clone that's trying to destroy me, I don't know. I'd probably try to murder them. Wow. It, it depends on how they're destroying me, though. And I, I don't know what the... I don't want to give the listeners ideas how to destroy me. There's <laughs> <laughs> like someone, I don't like your podcast, I'm going to give you a one and then murder you. I already have the secret recipe, yeah. hit me up if you want it. So, yeah, I'd probably go after them. Okay. But, like, two, was it, what's the saying? Like, one eye for an eye makes the whole world blind or something like that. Uh, I've but never heard it before, but that's definitely enlightening. An eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. I think it's a Bible verse. But, like, I'd blind the shit out of my evil clone because he's destroying my life. So, okay. what about you? What What would you do to evil Rusty? Uh, I think this is more just, like, the approach I take to life when it comes to conflict. Uh, I'm more someone that, well, it's actually interesting. I presented at my, my alma mater a couple of weeks ago as with, with work. And one of the topics that we hit on was conflict resolution. Yeah. And there's like this Thomas, uh, Milden model or something like that to conflict resolution. There's like four quadrants okay. and one of them it's, so the bottom left is that you're kind of just complacent. You're, you avoid the conflict altogether. Yeah. And the example I used was getting promoted at work. So if I'm going into a conversation at my performance review with my boss, uh, I either fall into the camp where I'm going to avoid it entirely, where I walk in with the idea, I'm going to talk, bring it up, 
But then I just buckle under the pressure and I say, you know what? Never mind. I don't deserve to be promoted. Yeah. Or I do the accommodating route where I go in, I explain my case, why I think I should be promoted. And then once my boss starts questioning really rusty, give me some concrete examples of why (laughs) you think you should be promoted. Then again, I buckle and say, you know what? You're right. Never mind. Or I go to the conflicting or combative model, which is like the top left quadrant, which is where you begin to have the conversation with your boss. Your boss begins to explain, based on these reasons, I don't think you actually deserve to be promoted. But then you get aggressive. Maybe you throw some temper tantrum. You raise your voice. And then nobody wins in that situation either. Or you go to the compromising top right ideal situation where you talk it out. You hash it out with your boss. Maybe you identify that you're not worth promoting at this point. But your boss and you come to an agreement of the stepping stones you need to cross in order to get promoted. At the end of the day, you retain the healthy relationship with your boss, and then you have a clear path to promotion. All of that to say, when it comes to conflict, I like to think that I'm more into the, like, let's just face this head on, hash it out, have a civil conversation about what's going on. Yeah. Now, when I'm talking with myself, that complicates things a little bit because I feel like it's a game of chess where I know this person's next chess move because we have the same thought process right Mm, you're right so then it becomes a really strange game of getting ahead and at that point i'd probably just take out a farsight and just take the person out (laughs) we talk a little bit and then i'd shoot them (laughs) i whip out my dual cyclones and the game over you know what i'm saying yeah i mean fuck my job has turned me into like not aggressive but you you kind of have to be logical but if there be like a supplier or like a performance review i've gotten i wouldn't say a, aggressive is very relative like i was i was being screwed over by a mistake my manager had made and i was getting like thrown under the bus and i got angry well yeah but so like that's why conflict resolution is so it's important to have that sense of awareness and introspection when you face a conflict because yeah. i think there's a you can make a case for each of those four quadrant quadrants to fall into those because if you're being taken advantage of like you were with your boss then you're going to defend yourself. You're going to be in the more combative space. Yeah. Or if like I'm talking to my boss's boss about whatever in the office that needs to be changed, I'm probably going to be more into the accommodating route where I'll kind of buckle under the pressure of my superior's superior, right? Mm -hmm. Or if like another example, if someone's neighbor's dog comes over to our yard and plops some little treasures on our lawn... Am I really going to go over there, make a big scene out of it? Or am I just going to avoid the situation entirely, pick it up and move on with life? Yeah. You can make a case for all of them. Yeah, it's hard. Like I I have a a hard kind of presentation coming up where my supplier thinks they're right, which they're clearly not. Mm -hmm. But I have to like present to their CEO on like how my direct sales contact did a shit job and screwed them out of like Mm 50,000. And I'm like... I want to go for the throat, but at the same time, I have to work with them again for yeah. like the foreseeable future. So, yeah, it's figuring out what size bus to drive on that one. Yeah, but, I mean, conflict resolution is a really interesting thing. Now, when you're having a conflict with yourself, that's... You get the biggest bus <laughs> or a far sight. One of those greyhounds, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. With air conditioning and some beds. Yep, absolutely. If Keanu Reeves can drive it or maybe Sandra Bullock, then we definitely have a winner. Yeah. All right, Ryan, let's get into this next one. Sounds good. This also is a specific person. And this person, Ryan, is the most bombastic, opinionated, and argumentative person you know who you'd like or who you'd still classify as someone 
you like. <laughs> oh, gosh. Bombastic, opinionated, an argumentative person you know who you'd still classify as someone you like. Probably your sister. Wow. She's the loudest person I know. <laughs> you know, I don't take offense to that at all, and I think I'd probably agree with you here. Yeah. So we can tag team this one. Okay, sounds good. All right, and God love her. I mean, she's just the sweetest person, and she really means the best for people. She does. Or she wants the best for people, but yeah, she's opinionated. She can go from zero to 100, and uh, she definitely- She can clear room. Not like Pumbaa, but like with the- the- reverberations of her screaming yes which are classified as i've been at many bars where that's happened with her yeah so uh at some unknown point within the next six months you will be trapped in an elevator for 12 hours (laughs) you want to retract your answer (laughs) i can't yeah i'm stuck a service alarm periodically emits a brief high-pitched noise so sleeping is impossible you can't just sleep through this ryan okay would you rather be trapped with this person or with an unusually large, moderately affectionate, slightly rambunctious dog. It, it, so I tra- I'm trapped with a dog, unusually large. So like Nala, moderately affectionate. Okay, Nala's more than affectionate. So rambunctious. I'd rather have a dog, dude. I think that's They're a, like that's the easiest question. <laughs> I, I love my sister. Like if I had to choose, like which one's gonna survive Look, forever, my sister wins that route or that question. But, but like most, like it's dog versus human. Like dog generally wins. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So that one's an easy one. Scooby or Lauren? Scoob's gonna win every time. <laughs> yeah. You know. All right, that was a pretty simple one. So hopefully, this next one is a little bit more uh, interesting. And the text is super small. Wow. Specific person in this instance, Ryan. Okay. First, mentally select a very close friend. Okay. I'm trying to think here. Can I select my wife at this point? Can I select Lauren? Is she your friend? She's my best friend. That's a cheesy ass answer for Valentine's <laughs> Day. <laughs> it is Valentine's yeah. Day, yeah. Um, Let's keep reading the question and what we can pick by the end. All right. However, this is not the person who will be principally involved with the following scenario. What? Pick a person, but this person's not going to be the person you picked. <laughs> <laughs> the hell? <laughs> Chuck Klosterman, always keeping us on our toes. Yeah. When answering the following question, imagine instead someone you believe the selected friend strongly dislikes, either openly or secretly. It should be a person from within your friend's real day-to-day life. In short... Imagine your friend's greatest enemy. So maybe otherwise stated, really close friend of yours, and then someone they kind of detest, rubs them the wrong way, can't stand the person. Okay. I think I got someone. Who are you thinking? So it's Matt's enemy from like the recent past. He accidentally joined a cult. Whoa. In Chicago. But like through a job that turned out to be a cult. Interesting. And they kicked him out within a day of him not being part of their ideals and he lost like most of his items okay so that cult all right and so matt for context for people that are listening one of your best friends growing up yes yeah met through high school and then through college and post-college life okay good stuff uh since i cannot think of like a friend of mine who has like this horrible enemy uh i'm gonna have more fun with this one and say that a good friend of the show blink steve 
Yes. He records a podcast called the the Polykill podcast, and uh, he records that podcast with good uh, friend Trav or Travis, mm-hmm. who is currently stuck in the year 1996. So, for the purposes of this question, Blink is my friend, and Travis is Blink's mortal enemy. All right. All right. Sounds good. Well, uh, while daydreaming, you come with up with an idea for a brilliant invention. The only problem is that you have no way to execute the idea until a chance meeting with your friend's enemy. Mm. They, they can turn your idea into reality. It would likely make both of you relatively rich and famous, and the public would see the two of you as a team. Your lives would become intertwined in a certain sense. And I love the way this is going, by the way. Yeah, this is terrifying. When your close friend learns of this partnership, they are more upset than you anticipate. I just don't understand why you would do this to me, they say. <clears throat> you know how I feel about them. So, Ryan, how much does this affect you? And how would you make your friend understand your decision? So I have to do the invention and I have to partner with this cult. Yeah, so I think this is going down the the, the route that it's not a question of whether or not you would do it. It's, it's already been done. You're famous. You're with this person. And now you have to deal with the aftermath with your friend of how you approach the friendship moving forward. Mm. Okay. Now, I think I would say the plan is or was to gain the money in the first place from the invention. Mm-hmm. The only and, person that you could partner with was this. this yeah. There were means to an end. Mm-hmm. Um, like the clones in the, uh, the Empire. You know, oh, yeah. they're means to an end to fight the separatists. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the end, you have to betray them. Right. Yeah, or exactly. the Jedi, really. Yeah. And uh, so I, the plan was to get the money to then expose the cult for their poor practices when de- dealing with the elderly. Because they were like, I think it was like inhumane conditions with like the treatment of the elderly, mm-hmm. which was like the main issue. So I, I think we... Together, Matt and I could partner to take down the cult using the money gained by partnering with the cult. Wow. Yeah. Fascinating. Exactly. Going for the throat after you after you partner with them. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know if I'd take such an aggressive approach because I honestly get so much life and fulfillment out of throwing shade at Blink. Okay. You wouldn't go for his throat? No. <laughs> Well, Blink's the good guy. It was Travis that was the evil one. Yeah, but the question was, how much does this affect you, and how would you make your friend understand your decision? Hmm. But would would Blink be resentful that Travis is now a billionaire? I guess would, he, the, would he lose Travis as a friend? The better question is then, do I replace Blink in the hot seat that is Polykill? My buns get nice and warm. And I am now the co-host of Polykill. Mm, do you betray Blink? That's hard. He's been he's been sneaking up. Well, there's really his... two winners here because one, I expand my my network of podcasts. Yeah. And Blink then because now I have to place more emphasis on podcast prep. Yeah. Making hot seat questions for Trav. Thinking about years that Trav can you know jump on a time machine and go back to maybe 2002 because that's when Kingdom Hearts came out. And then that's so much time in Blink's pocket now that I don't have that he can get more platinum trophies. That's true. And then the real question would be, 
would Polykill be better with you versus Blink? And I think the quality would probably go down. <laughs> Significantly. Yeah. Significantly. Yeah. So I, I think the it would be better to promote Blink and be like, I still love you, man. Yeah. I would say, Travis, trust me, you want nothing to do with me. Please, God. <laughs> Throw get, yourself under the bus. Get Blink back yeah. on the podcast. Uh, yeah. I think everyone wins in that boat. Uh, the question is, is, does Blink sue me or does he sue Travis for... Uh, temporarily getting a new polykill co-host yeah is it like facebook where you like you had to throw those like two brothers under the bus to become billionaires right oh that's right social network yeah mark zuckerberg uh specific person here okay this next question this person is a co-worker from the job you currently hold or held in the recent past you're friendly with them but have no relationship outside of the workplace okay if you've never had a co-worker who fits this description imagine a classmate who occupied a similar position in school. Okay. I think for the purposes of this question, even though I don't necessarily so fit, it, fit into that last one where it says you're friendly with them, but you have no relationship outside of the workplace, just because I want context for the listeners, I'm going to cl- select Sean, who's actually in the Discord. Yeah. And uh, he's just recently got the Switch. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he's the he's the person that I have in mind for this question. Hmm. How about yourself? Probably David. Oh, David's good. The, like, I don't eat anything that's green guy. (laughs) He's a goofball, but he's fun. Yeah. All right, so you ready to actually dig into the question? Yes, I am. You and this person have been sent on a business trip to a small community in the Midwest. Mm -hmm. Now, this is almost recounting an actual real-life situation that we had when we went to Atlanta. Oh, shit. Go back to uh, episode 40-something, Making Memories in Atlanta, and you can hear the crazy stories of Sean and I's experience. But anyways... You land at the airport at noon and rent a car, for which you are the driver. You can't check into your hotel rooms until 3 o'clock in the afternoon, so the two of you decide to cruise around and check out the area. They relax in the passenger seat. There's almost no traffic, so you drive a bit recklessly. A police cruiser pulls you over several miles outside the city limits. You see the officer in the rearview window, rearview mirror, preparing to walk up to your vehicle and possibly issue you a ticket. Your coworker and possibly, oh, sorry, your coworker suddenly turns to you and says, "Don't freak out, but I have two loaded guns in my luggage, <laughs> and neither weapon is licensed. Licensed. I also have a small vial of cocaine in my jacket. But just be cool. We haven't done anything wrong." <laughs> <laughs> cool. Thanks, David. Oh, Sean, you animal. The officer approaches the car and you roll down the window. The officer seems affable, but also skeptical. They ask if you've been drinking, you say no, and then they ask if you'd mind if they briefly search the interior of the car, or if there's anything inside the vehicle uh, that they should know about. What do you tell the police officer? You gonna throw David under the bus here? Dude, fuck, I'm on like a, I'm on a business trip, so I'm fucked. Mm-hmm. I'm, obvi- I'm fired if anything goes wrong. Um, I'm going to jail because we have unlicensed guns, and drugs and a, how much did it say how much drugs uh a vial of cocaine however much that I, is. i've never done cocaine so <laughs> i have no idea what that means but like sounds like a decent amount i'm like i'm thinking like a mason jar is a vial yeah <laughs> like we have a mason jar of cocaine we're fucked if we get caught um i don't think you have to let him search your vehicle mm-hmm. um i would just Give him my insurance and my license, I think. 
Yeah, I would just, you know, say, hey, you know, we just play got cool. off the... Yeah, play cool, remain calm, cool, and collected, and say, hey, we just got off the plane, and uh, we're starving, we haven't eaten in six hours. It, it depends on how reckless you're driving. Like, be like, hey, like, I just got off a plane, my legs are still shaky, this is a totally new environment, like, I'm trying to figure out where we're going, um, so... Sorry about that. Here's my license and registration. Yeah. And, and that seems like a viable path forward. Be honest. Say you're on a business trip. You're hungry. You're just looking to get some grub. You know, of any places in town that I can check out. You want to yeah. hop and get a sandwich with us, you know? <laughs> you want to get some Coke with us? Yeah, you know. Um, Do the drugs. I think calm, cool, and collected is the best approach. Just tell them what's going on. But, you know, there's no need to. Yeah, there's no need to escalate or throw him under the bus. Mm-hmm. But, like, if it comes to that point, you throw him under the bus. Like... Hey, get out. We're searching the vehicle. And then if you go to court, it's like, yeah, he threw it on me the last At second. that point, I'm like, yeah, listen, I, I knew curious. nothing about this. He and I were on a business trip. We didn't coordinate. We were sent by my boss to do this work here. Yeah. You're on your own at that point, Sean. The ultimate uncoordination is like, hey, did you pack your T-shirts? Yeah, I got two guns and Coke. <laughs> <laughs> like what? Like, how did you even get there through customs? Like that's That is the better question. Yeah. Who knows? Chuck but. Klosterman, come on now. Yeah, think realistic. Yeah. I mean, or maybe they were already in the car because, I mean, that's another thing that a lawyer could go after was like, how the hell are they going to get yeah, because two unregistered they're... guns through customs with Coke? But like, they were already in the car when we picked this up at the rental place. Like, we had no idea. At that point, Sean tells a little, a little line. He just says, hey, listen, like, these were just literally sitting in the um the glove compartment yeah and we figured if you search this car we're definitely screwed so i did the most logical thing i could do at the time stuffed them in my jacket yeah. wrote my name on them <laughs> but, I, sharpie. but i think it warrants you know a conversation over some coffee or beers later in the evening with sean to say why the heck do you have the fuck are you doing <laughs> you're gonna get us killed we're here to learn about risks and controls and cloud security What's going on here? Yeah, because I've been pulled over with Matt when we had a gun in the car. But, mm-hmm. like, he he's obviously, like, registered and everything. And, like, it's nuts. It was three in the morning. We were coming back from, like, a, a movie premiere he had in the back. Mm-hmm. and Rave. Yeah, yeah. Watching oh, Shrek going 2. Going to a rave. And, like, we, we were sus- not suspicious, but 3 a.m. going through a neighborhood is kind of always sketchy. But, mm-hmm. like, it, it's not terrifying. We're like, hey... We got a gun in the back, but like, hey, we got two unregistered guns in the back. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit different. Yeah. Like, I would be so on edge if I were a cop going up to any cars, but. Yeah. Yeah. I would not throw him under the bus. I would, uh, I would only throw David under the bus if we got caught. <laughs> yeah. No, I think I, I take the same approach. Yeah. Hmm. Well, Ryan, we've done five of these and we have a pretty light episode timestamp wise, but I think we should call it here. Yeah, I'm cool with that. I make I want to make sure that we, you know, get every inch of goodness out of these superthetical's and I think tossing five here and there when we don't have a whole lot of a packed agenda's the way to go. Yeah, don't want to overstay your welcome. Exactly. So, hopefully you enjoyed more of the superthetical's. Ryan and I always have a good time talking off the cuff about these ridiculous questions. Hopefully, maybe some of you played along, you paused the episode and tried to think of someone and kind of walk through all of those crazy situations with us. But uh we, th- we appreciate you guys sticking through this this crazy situation of an episode and a podcast episode. We hope you continue to enjoy the show. And there's actually something you could do 
to show your appreciation for the podcast. Ryan and I do not ask for a lot for you to, to get this episode into your precious ears, but we'd love for you to go to wherever you listen to this podcast, whether it's iTunes, whether it's Spotify, whether it's Google Podcasts, wherever it is, go to the, that little site and uh, why don't you just write us a quick review, rate us five stars if you like what you're hearing, and it would really, really make us feel great. We greatly appreciate it, and uh, maybe as a result of doing that, more people will check out the show. Yeah. And speaking of more people checking out the show, Ryan, good friend of yours, Rick, we've mentioned him on the podcast a number of times. He actually wrote a review for us. Yeah, he did. Over on Apple Podcasts. So we're going to go ahead and read that. And uh, moving forward, again, we'll give you a little shout out. We'll read your review here on the show. But uh, iMirth, he's also on the Discord. He said, keep up the good work. I listen to you guys on the way to work. So keep it up. Nice. Thanks, Rick. We'll do our best to do that, Rick. And uh, thank you so much for writing in. Stay safe on that drive to work. Hopefully you're sipping a nice hot beverage, some coffee as you go in, and uh, our voices can keep you company. We love you, Rick. (laughs) Mirth bag. And then uh, one other thing of note here, Ryan, a couple weeks ago, we got the community together to play Halo 3. Yeah, it was a ton of fun. With the Master Chief Collection. My goodness, what a good time that was. We had a whole... Uh, it was just a nice group of people in there on the Discord. We were on the voice chat, chatting it up, having the best of times. And we're going to do that again a week from now. We're not sure what day. It's probably going to be Friday or Saturday evening. I currently have a poll up on the Discord to decide what Halo game we're going to play. I had way too much fun playing Halo Online. It's been nearly a decade outside of a couple weeks ago since I've played Halo Online. Yeah, And I definitely am hungry for more of it. So the, the poll up there currently has us either playing more Halo 3, Halo 4, Halo Combat Evolved, Halo 2, or Halo Reach. Again, this is all a part of the Master Chief Collection. I will explain how to get the specific custom multiplayer downloaded just to make sure that you can get into the, the lobby that we're playing in. I'll have all those details in the Discord, so don't even worry about it. But definitely let your voice be heard. Get in. We have about 12 hours from this recording. We already got six votes here. It looks like we're going to probably be playing more Halo 3. But once we figure out what we're playing, I will post the directions on how to download the correct uh, multiplayer, and then we'll get more Halo going in about a week. But... As I always do, as we wrap up a recording of the Otaku Brothers podcast, I turn it back to my co-host, Ryan. Do you have any parting words for our listeners? Yeah, just have a good week. Uh, Monster Hunter uh, Rise is coming out in about a month, so mentally prepare for that. And if you're in the Ohio area, we're supposed to have some rough uh, snowstorms Monday and Tuesday, so stay safe. Absolutely. Yeah, the Midwest is going to hit hard, and my goodness, I'm just... Praying for warmer weather and sunny days ahead. I the winter blues are hitting hard, man. I think the sun's supposed to come out on Thursday. Okay, I well, was seeing. So you promise, we have like four days. You promised the, the sun would come out tomorrow, and it hasn't happened yet. So. Yeah, I I lied. Yeah, it's just clouds. Bet your bottom dollar it's coming out <laughs> Thursday. All right, everyone. Thank you once again so much for listening, and we will see you again next week. See ya.